You know, I think um, over the past couple of weeks, if, if we've started to learn anything about our culture, it's that we really love a good story. Uh, I think all of us really love a good story. As Star Wars was starting to come forward and, and the new Star Wars began, we're reminded again, we love a good story. It's where many of us, as I've had conversations, are trying to figure out how can we get to go see the new movie? What can I do with my child while I go to the movie theaters? Because we love a good story. Uh, think about even, even in, the, in that story of Star Wars there where you have a, uh, a young man who is, is working in a condition that none of us would really, I mean a moisture farm. That's what we find Luke Skywalker doing. And he moves from a moisture farm into uh, becoming the leader of a revolution in many ways. And takes on the most powerful force in all of those fictional galaxies. That's the kind of story that many of us like where it can talk about how the ordinary can move to the extraordinary. And each of us has the potential to do that. Uh, think, think about also the, even the story of our country. The way we teach about our American Revolution. Does anybody remember what the tagline for the British Empire was before the American Revolution? Do we all need to go back to school, evidently? <laughs> the sun never sets on the British Empire. Remember? Is it? Uh, yeah, oh, I got it. <clears throat> but here we were, just three, uh, 13 small colonies that take on the largest empire of the time with not very much of our own ability, but we were able to defeat the British Empire to become an independent country. Our, our band of rebels, who many of us can name by name, that, that with their ideas and with their rhetoric and with their arms, they were able to win this battle. And because of that, we have freedom and we have independence and we have the right to rule ourselves. We all love a good story, especially a story where rights, where privileges, where freedom are fought and won. We're all waiting for a leader of some sort to come into his story and, and sweep away all of the bad guys. We're all waiting for the kind of story to hear that, that we can identify with and can become even our own story. Where there's people, as they hear the story of Star Wars, they take on uh, the identities within it and they pretend that they are able to be a part of that story. There are still people today that when it comes to the American Revolution that they like to go and reenact the American Revolution or the Civil War or things of that nature. We still go to this many of the same plays that the people before us go to. Because once we hear a good story, a story that we can identify with, that speaks to us, we want to keep hearing it over and over again, and we want to keep seeing Star Wars as many times as possible. <laughs> we love a good story. And, and some would say it's because we know that we ourselves are part of a bigger story. that many of us are waiting 
to realize or to hear a story that, that stretches beyond ourselves. Many of us are unsatisfied with the story that we have in our own life. There's got to be more than just what meets the eye to my story. So we're waiting for this good story to come along, and, and, and we keep searching, and the, the culture, the world keeps searching for these stories. And we have many people who come along and try to tell them different stories. But what if there's a story out there that's actually true? What if there's a story out there that's actually true, and that becomes our story? What if there's a story out there that's true and that becomes our story and actually has a real king? What if I were to tell you about a story that began at the very beginning and starting with the birth of a little baby started to include all of us? What if I were to tell you about a king a king who came to begin a revolution for us, to restore freedom, to bring liberty, to break the bonds, the slavery of this world. What if I were to tell you that this is actually your story? that this is a story that you are a part of. That this is a story about a king that you have now that is reigning for you right now. A story about a baby who comes to where the highest, the smartest, the, the magi even come and they bring gifts to honor this baby. But we also see angels who come in as well to honor this king. And, and even the lowest, people that are, are just shepherds who kind of smell and have grime and dirt on their fingers, go and pay honor to this king. What about a king who actually knows you? Knows your name. Knows who you are knows your dirtiest secret to your most wonderful moment. A king who started something, a revolution that cost no lives except for his own. You have that king. You have that king from the very beginning, that king of Jesus Christ. The one that we're in the Psalms that make the prediction about him, that as he comes in to this world, it says to the rest, Now therefore, O kings, be wise. Be warned, O rulers of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry. Blessed are all those who take refuge in him. A king that is above all other kings, while a king who's come to live with you. This is the time of year where there's many different uh, special 
occasions, but the same ones that keep coming around year after year. And so you can always count on being able to go see at the symphony certain, certain uh, pieces, right? So you have Beethoven's Ninth Symphony that is played every year, but you also have Handel's Messiah. And Handel's Messiah is known for uh, a famous part. Anybody, do you know that one? The, the Alleluia Chorus, right? Does anybody know the tradition of the Alleluia Chorus? You stand. As soon as it, as soon as it strikes up, everybody stands. And, and it stretches back to the first time that that piece was ever played. And they think it's really just because the piece was really long and the guy wanted to stand. And so he, he stood. But in the Alleluia Chorus, it starts naming off all the names of Christ. And one of those names is the King of Kings. And so as you stand up, you hear repeated, King of King and Lord of Lords. Glory, laud, honor, Alleluia to the King of Kings. My sister-in-law sings for the symphony chorus. She did it in Milwaukee and she does here in Seattle now. And I asked her, do you ever get tired of singing these same pieces over and over again? And she said, all the way up until that verse. And when she stands up and sings, King of Kings, something, something happens. We remember that we have a king. One that is over all, but one that has come to live with us. And so this is your story. No need to dive into a story of just an emperor going against the Jedi Master. Or the story even of a band of rebels fighting a British Empire. But one king, whose crown is made of thorns and whose throne is just a cross, who came for you, to be with you, and to reign for you right now. If you've been coming to the midweek services, uh, uh, this last Wednesday we had a reading that came out of Luke, and at the end of the Luke, it, it, at the end of the reading in Luke, it said, "Blessed is the one who is not offended by me." And it got me thinking, what is it that is so offensive by him? You see, there are many who would be offended at the very thought that they do have a real, actual king. To have a real, actual king means that you do have somebody over you that you have somebody that you're accountable to, that you have somebody who has law, that you have somebody who is watching for you. And many in the world today find this very offensive. They find it intrusive to have someone who is a king over them, to realize that they themselves are subjects to a king. There are others who are offended by him, because of the type of king that he is. Hardly is the Christmas story a story that we would recognize to be a story of a king. He's not born in a palace or a castle. He is not born into a family that is known of wealth. He walks down the street and many don't recognize him. Hardly is this a king that we would consider part of our stories. A king who actually died 
died a death of a criminal with no one to save him. His nights around his round table did not come. Many are offended by such a thing as this. We want to make our king into somebody who has the riches of the world as he comes and dispenses those to the population so that you and I can live in proper health and wealth. There are many who would want this king to come and to solve every single problem that they have. So many are offended by the type of king that we actually have. But what they overlook is that a king who comes in such humble manner knows knows what it's like to live like us. A king who experienced hunger. A king who knew what it was like to not have everything and most of the time had nothing. A king who never had the gold crown. A king who felt, experienced suffering and pain like us. shouldn't be offended by this king. We should be thankful for a king like that. A king that when we cry out in our own pain, in our own suffering, in our own ways, knows. A king who is a king for us. So what if I were to tell you that this is your king? That this is your story. That this is your your story of salvation coming from this little small baby of revolution who came to be King of kings and Lord of lords and to live with you. This king possesses all the things of a king and more. He is a king who comes in authority. He is a king who comes in glory. He's a king who who even comes in grace. We see how he comes in authority even at his birth, a way that the Magi bring him gifts of laud and honor. Jesus himself says that uh, all authority over heaven and earth has been given to me. That he is a king that has the authority, the power, and the might, the king that can actually deliver justice to those who do injustice whose law is righteous, to where that we know for those that do harm and continue to abuse him and others, will meet one day a king. There's a famous painting by Gustav Dorr called The Triumph of Christianity Over Paganism. And it's a picture in the center is Christ returning. And he's standing there with a cross. And surrounding him is this big circular pattern of angels. And below him are all the pagan gods. That as Christ descends, they continue to shrink down in defeat. That's the king of authority who, who can come into our lives. A king that, that, that knows who we are and knows our problems and can defeat and pull out those gods that try to distract us from Him. A king that is so full of glory that the angels appear and sing 
mighty and glory and power be to Him. Where the angels who are completely white and shining as light sing about the glory of this little King. The kind of glory that can only exist where there's pure love. Untainted by darkness and sin. A king who comes with extreme grace. Whose kingdom extends as far as his grace does to the ends of the earth. Whose grace allows him to come to you. To reign in your hearts. To rule over this place. To defeat those that come against you who cause us to cry out like David in his psalms, mighty is our God. A king whose grace reaches to the shepherds in the field, who otherwise would be the first to be overlooked, but who God includes in his kingdom to come and be with this mighty king. This is your story. To those of you that see yourselves as high as the Magi, or those who know yourself to be as low as the shepherds, this is your story. This is your king. The one who comes with authority, with grace, and with glory. May the authority of this king continue to reign in your hearts. May your eyes always be looking for the glory of this King as He returns. And may this grace, this grace of this King, be your triumphant story. Amen.